Father, just use this to what you have for us, to lift us up in our hearts, in our minds, where we belong. Because uh, where we belong is in our position in Christ. And just show us how that in our, in our state we can be, in our, in our feelings, uh, we can be exactly who we are in our position. So bless tonight, to this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. And I'm going to read a bunch of different scriptures from Job, and uh, then we'll, we'll get some uh, thoughts from God on it. But I've been in that, in that book, and, and many believe that Job was long before Moses. And there's a lot of truth that is in, in the book of Job, a lot of types that we see that are obviously fulfilled in Christ. But there's just an amazing amount of teaching in, in this book. And we have to remember, too, that, that uh, it's, it was approximately nine months, everything that Job went through. And the fact is, is that God, just giving you a little history of the background, that God instigated this whole thing. It wasn't Satan. It was God who instigated it. You'll see that in the first chapter where all the sons of God, Satan and all the sons of God, came in to the presence of God. And that's when God said to him, have you considered my servant Job? And so he instigated that whole thing. And then, of course, we see uh, so many different scriptures and what they teach. But here, there's just one verse right here that, that I wanted to notice and then several others. But in Job 22, verse 13, this is what it says. <clears throat> and you say, how does God know? Or in other words, what does God know? Can he judge through the dark cloud? And I'm sure a lot of us in our lives and in, in the things that, that come into our life, they can seem like a dark cloud and we can even begin to wonder, does God even know? Does he even, is he with me in all of this? Does he understand me? And sometimes we, we, we question him. And uh, again, through, through all these verses that we're, we're going to uh, bring out, never, they, there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ. Let's make that perfectly clear. That's the foundation of everything that we're to receive. So Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ. And any more than God the Father could condemn his Son, Jesus Christ, who sits at his right hand because it's finished, could find anything in him that he could condemn. Being the fact that he is our life, there's nothing in us that can be condemned. There's a lot of correction that needs to take place in our life. And the correction is not punishment. It's called correction. And he wants to bring our thoughts, our mind, into the fullness of his thoughts about us. So that's why, at times, many of us can say, and we do, God, what do you know? How do you know? I mean, it's easy for you. You're God. <laughs> You're not me going through this. So how can you judge through the dark cloud? And we'll see why Job began to question all these things. And in many ways, he did act according to, to the truth of God in his life. He did. And by the way, we have much more, much, much more truth 
than Job ever had. So he said that again. How do you know God? I mean, what do you really know? What do you really know about how I feel or what I'm going through? And uh, so how can he judge through this dark cloud that I'm in? Then in Job 23, Job said in verse 1, he answered and said, Even today is my complaint bitter. (laughs) None of us has ever felt that way. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him because I'm in this dark cloud and I'm, I'm alone. Of course, are we ever really alone of being God's? And then he said, that I might come even to his seat or I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments. In other words, you know, and again, not, none of us has ever done this before, but he's really, what he's beginning to do here is he's, he's counseling God based upon his thoughts. <laughs> based upon his own thoughts, he's counseling God. So really, honestly, worry or striving or, or struggling in this sense, it's really us, as believers now I'm saying, is really, and sometimes we don't know it, sometimes we do and don't care. We're counseling God. Yeah, we're counseling Him. And uh, we want Him to really listen to us. He says in in 23, verse 5, I I would know the words which He would answer me and understand what He would say unto me. If only I could get where He is. Like He could get where God is in His own thoughts. Like we think we can get to where God is on our own thoughts. We're going to do something. We desperately want to do something about where we are based upon our own thoughts. Well, not a lot of fun. Verse 6, will he plead against me with his great power? (laughs) No, but he would put strength in me if only I could get there. There the righteous might dispute with him. So should I be delivered forever from my judge. On the left hand where he does work, but I can't behold him. I want to. I can't. I'm in this dark cloud. I just can't. Can't do it. And uh, backwards. But I can't perceive him. I, I, I just can't. And, and uh, But I can't behold him. He hides himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. I just feel that's my life feels like. I feel, Job's basically saying, I feel like I am totally abandoned and uh, I'm just alone in this thing. Verse 10, but he says, but he has just enough truth though, but he's still struggling. And really his struggle doesn't have anything to do with God's thoughts. His struggle like ours are based upon our thoughts. And of course, we get into counseling God that way but but verse 10 says but he knows he knows the way or in other words he knows the way that it is with me <laughs> he knows the way that I take oh boy you know Proverbs 14 verse 12 Proverbs 16 verse 25 says that there's a way 
that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There's separated. You're being separated from God. In our own thinking, in our own ways, in our own struggles, uh, we're separated from him. Uh, Je uh, Jeremiah 10, verse 23, I know, O God, that the way of man is not in himself. It's not in himself to find you. And in Proverbs 20, verse 24, man's goings are of the Lord. How is it then that a man can understand his own way? It's impossible. But he knows the way. He knows the way that it is with me, just like he knows it with all of us. And when he has tried me, I will come forth as gold. My foot has held his steps. His way have I kept and not declined. Really, Job? Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. God, I've done all these things right. What is this all about? What have I done for all this stuff to come upon me? I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I have literally hid them up and laid them up in my heart. I treasure, I love his word. I do. And uh, I've, I've valued it as, as more than my own appointed portion. I have. But, 23 verse 13, he is in one mind. And who can turn him? Oh, it's never going to end. It's going to be his way. I may not like it, but here I am. He's in one mind, and I can't turn him. And what his soul desires, that he does. I don't like it, and, you know, but he doesn't seem to care whether I like it or not. <laughs> After all, I've stored up his word in my heart. I've, oh, <laughs> Therefore, in verse 14, it says, For he performs the thing that is appointed for me. And many such things are with him. Therefore am I troubled at his presence when I consider I am afraid of him. Great, our, great, our own thoughts apart from his, huh? Aren't they interesting so far? But here's what God does. <laughs> For God makes my heart soft. Mm. God makes my heart soft, and the Almighty troubles me. Really? Was it God troubling him? Who was he allowing to do that? Was God allowing Satan to do that? Right? Did God allow everything that Joseph's brothers did to him? Did God allow it? He wasn't the cause of it. How many times do we think in our own thoughts that aren't from God that he is the cause of all these so-called bad things or even these evil things that happen to us? And of course they're not, but God may instigate them, but he'll give Satan permission to only go so far in our life because he may mean it in Genesis 50 verse 20 like Joseph's brothers they may mean it for evil but God means it for what? good that's why in Romans 8 28 all things work together for the good 
to them that love God, and of course, those that are loved of God love him. <laughs> and, he, and what? They are called according to his purpose. So every single thing and every single thing that we go through is according to his purpose. It's being worked out. So he performs the thing that is appointed for us, although we want to do it at times. But he's the one that does it. And so God makes our hearts soft. The, and the Almighty troubles me. Really, is it God that troubles us or is it our own thoughts that aren't from him, that come from somewhere else that trouble us? And of course, in all of our struggles and all of our troubles, God's just trying to get us through the end of it so we can receive the love that he has for us. That's all he's doing. He, that's where he has to bring us. So, but we have to learn to trust in this process. That's what we're learning. We have to learn to trust and not be afraid. Of course we do. We don't like a lot of times pressure and the things that we have to go through. And it could be about concerning us or it could be concerning about others that God has in our life. And how many love to hear a, a great piece of music? For instance, a piano. A nice, I don't like the banging noise, but a melody, a gorgeous, beautiful melody on a piano that's nothing like it. It's beautiful, isn't it? But it takes 11 tons of pressure to tune that piano. And out comes a beautiful melody. And can you picture the piano going, oh, what are you doing? That's too tight. The strings are too tight. Don't you know I can't handle this? What are you doing? You picture the piano saying that to the guy that's tuning it. What are you doing? You don't know. You're hurting me. You allow these things in my... What are you doing? You're tuning me. <laughs> Psalm 76, verse 10. The wrath of man will praise him. And the remainder he will restrain. He will. He will. Well... I got a couple little poems and then I'll proceed. A couple of little, little cute little poems. Oh, blows that smite. Oh, blows that pierce. The shrinking heart of mine. What are you but the master's tools forming a work divine? This one. Here's another little one. Things that hurt and things that mar shape the man for perfect praise shock and strain and ruin are friendlier than smiling days and that's the truth well he knows the path that we take he knows long before we got there he acquainted himself with our path and he has in his love, searching us out. Searching us out so that his love, the treasure of his son, will come shining out. Where does faith grow? In 
the sunshiny days or in the storms? Well, where it's fiercest, in the midst where it's fiercest, God is there to meet you and I in the center of all our trials and all those things that seem so hard and bad and not as good as it used to be are the greatest opportunities that we have. They're great opportunities. God has to get us to the place, all of us, continually, where we get our eyes off of ourselves and get them on Jesus Christ. That's what, we, that's what he does. God's children, what do they do? We've said before, when the storms come, they're out playing. They're so, and when a child plays, you can watch them when they're playing. They, they, they could care who's around. They are so occupied with what they're playing. But when the storms come, what do they do? They run home. They run home, and that's what they do. You know, but someone once said that a hypocrite resents God's affliction. They resent it. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 67, uh, he went astray, but before he did, he went astray, but God afflicted him. God afflicted him in love to bring him back to his proper place so that he could, he could become one of the true ones. And what do they do? They kiss the hand that smokes him because they know it's love. It's not punishment. It's, lo it's loving correction. And uh, we just run home. We run home. And that's what we're to do in every single trouble. What's the first thing we should do when trouble comes? It's to seek God's presence because he's there in the, in the midst. He's right there in the midst with us. And so Job was going through all of those different things. And then let's turn to, and we don't, if you don't have your Bibliosos, and you don't even have to turn. I'll turn. Okay. <laughs> but Job uh, 31 verse 4 says this. Does not he see my ways? In other words, does, does he not see every single thing that affects us? And does he not count all my steps? So, remember, Job had these three friends. You know, phew, with friends like that, I mean, hello. <laughs> right? He had these three friends, and they were counseling him why all these things were happening to him from God. So he was placing <coughs> their three friends with their counsel, were placing the blame on Job, and they were placing the blame on God. And look what verse 30. Two, verse 1 says so these three men ceased to answer Job they didn't have any answer for him because the answer wasn't in the fact that it was from God and it wasn't about Job but what God was after in Job is what he's after in us and remember we're in Christ isn't that correct Romans 8 1 in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30 he God made him to be for us wisdom, righteousness, remember, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, okay? So in Christ, before God the Father, right now, we are in an absolutely perfect right standing before God because Christ is our life. And that life is perfect. 
and it's complete and it's finished because of him, of him, but it's in us. So we're perfectly righteous. But do we always function in who we are in him? Was Job functioning in God's thoughts, true thoughts? And look what it says in Job 32, verse 1. So these three men ceased to answer Job. Why? Look what it says. Because he was righteous in his own eyes. Where do all our complaints come from? Seriously. And the whole time we do it, does God condemn us? Or did he already condemn all of that in Christ Jesus? And now he's our perfect righteousness. So these three men ceased to answer Job because why? Because he was righteous in his own eyes. Thank God that we, we do have the flesh in us. We do. And that little flesh in every one of us is a little Pharisee. Sometimes, well, sometimes we can be pretty big. It can be pretty hard, too. <laughs> and that's in the flesh. Then verse 2 says, Then was kindled the wrath of Elihu, the son of Barakel, the Buzite, or Buzite, of the kindred of Ram. It's a lot of stuff. Against Joe was his wrath kindled. Why? Because he justified himself rather than God. And again, I know that all of us are perfectly righteous in Christ Jesus, aren't we? And that's how God sees us. But none of us has ever justified ourselves rather than God, right? <laughs> Verse 3, who also, who also against his three friends was his wrath kindled. Why? Because they found no answer and yet condemned Job. <laughs> well, how'd you like to have those for friends, right? All this bad stuff is happening to you, Job, because it's something in your life is not right. So we condemn you. That's like a lot of really, really bad teaching, legalistic teaching that put the onus on the self-life. And the only way to get out of it is that you're to do something for God enough so that finally he will allow you to get out, <laughs> which really none of that is ever true. So now Elihu waited till Job had spoken because they were older than him. They were el elder than he when Elihu saw that there was no answer in the mouth of these three men, then his wrath was kindled. Was he right to be angry? Well, Ephesians 4 verse 26 says to be angry and sin not. In other words, you function in God the right way, then there's anger that Christ is not being presented. Truth is not being presented for those to function in. So Elihu, the son of Barakel, the buzzite he's buzzing around <laughs> answered and said I am young and you are very old wherefore I was afraid and dared not show you my opinion really the truth I said days should speak in other words you older guys should know better you should be speaking the truth and multitude of years should teach wisdom is that always the case no but there is a spirit in man 
And the inspiration of the Almighty gives them understanding. Now he's telling them, listen, that's where it comes from. It comes from God, understanding, truth. The right kind of thoughts come from God. Verse 9, but great men in, in held in great high esteem and positions are not always wise. Neither do the aged understand judgment. Therefore, I said, hearken to me. I will also show my opinion, the truth. Behold, I waited for your words. I gave ear to your reasonings, which you searched out what to say. I'm sure none of us in our own thoughts search out. Based upon everything that we're going through, we realize, hmm, I've got the answers. <laughs> okay, because we searched it out. And, yea, I attended unto you, and behold, there was none of you that convinced Job or that answered his words, lest you should say, we have found out wisdom. God's never going to allow that. We can't search out anything without him, and he's not going to allow us. In other words, there's no way out of our circumstances and situations thinking that we, with our own thoughts, are going to counsel God. It's not happening. It's not happening. So he said, Now he has not directed his words against me, neither will I answer him with your speeches. They were amazed. They answered no more. <laughs> they left off speaking. The best thing, and we've heard it before, the best thing we can do when we don't have any wisdom is what? Silence. Be still in Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and then know that I'm God. In other words, wait. In James 1, 5, if any lack wisdom... Let them determine every single thing that they're going through based upon how they feel, how others treated them, and where they are in their life. Really? <laughs> no, James 1.5. If any lack wisdom, let them ask of God. Let them pray. Pray and ask God. And not go by our feelings. Because we walk by faith in 2 Corinthians 5.7, not by what? Sight, not by feelings. There's a song, remember that song, and I won't sing it. Feelings, whoa, 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 feelings. I hate that song. I never did like it anyways. <laughs> so he said, when I had waited, for they spake not, but stood still and answered no more. That's what he did. He waited. And that's what we need to do in the trials and circumstances and situations that we're in. We need to wait. We need to be still, because what is there? Listen, if we don't have wisdom in our circumstance, in our situation, in the trials that we are in, what are we to do? What's the best thing that we can do? Okay, so, if we don't have wisdom, what should we do? We should be silent, but silent and waiting, because there's wisdom and waiting. There's tremendous wisdom. God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He knew right when to send his son. The promise was given in Genesis 3 verse 15. He's going to come and do what none of us, none, no human could ever do. 
but he will have perfect humanity, but it will be God. And he will come 4,000 years later <laughs> in Galatians 4.4. But in the meantime, I will be your provision while you wait. I myself, think about it, I myself will be your provision. And, and so you can wait. And while you wait, you can wait with me while you wait for me. <laughs> you can wait. There's wisdom in waiting. Wisdom waiting on love. Wisdom waiting on God. There's wisdom to wait. There's wisdom that God wants to give to create in us through an incredible trust. But if I don't know the one who I'm waiting on, that he has this incredible love for me, well, I trust him. So what does he want to do while we wait? While we feel like nothing's going on, like we feel like time's a wasted, because that's the way we see it. He wants to come in and overwhelm us with his love for us. Listen, we wouldn't even have any wisdom apart from who he is, and God is love. So everything about it is for our sakes. There's wisdom waiting on God, wisdom waiting on love. And then you and I get the wisdom of love, and it can only come from knowing how much he loves us. That's where true wisdom, the most incredible highest wisdom comes from, knowing that he truly loves us. Then we have the wisdom of love, and when we receive the wisdom of love, now we have a love of wisdom. But it doesn't come any other way, really. And it's really, really, truthfully, it's not even a real kind of cute and smart play on words in this, like, spiritual sense. I mean, it really is true. That's really the way that it works. It really is. He said, for I am full of matter. I am full of words. You know, God wants to fill us up while we wait, he wants to fill us up with his word. That's what Paul said. He said that in Acts 20, verse 32. He said, I commend you to God. I'm commending you to God. He didn't say, I'm commending you to myself. He didn't say, I'm commending you to any man. Not an apostle, not a prophet, not to a pastor or teacher. I commend you to God and the word of his grace. That's Jesus Christ, which is able to build you up. You and I can't be built up in our own thoughts. We can only be built up in Jesus Christ. We can never get built up by an apostle or by a pastor, but only what comes through him that's of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's wisdom. That's love. That's who, that's what he has for us. He said, I am full of, of words. That's what the Hebrew says. The, the, the spirit within me constrains me. He said, I am overwhelmed in my emotions because truth now is pouring over into my emotions. I have wisdom. I have love, the love of wisdom and the wisdom of love. And while I wait, that's what God wants to pour into me. While I wait and while I'm still, he pours himself into me. 
And now I have good emotions. Now my emotions are good. And now I only think on things in Philippians 4, right? Whatsoever things are truth, honest, just, pure, lovely. If there be any virtue, and there is, if there be any praise, and there certainly is, we are to think on these things because in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16, we have the mind of Christ. And we are to let that mind be in us. In Philippians 2, verse 5. And then, and then my mind is off of myself and it's on the one who knows best. It's on the one who knows best. And so Job, so this little Elihu, the younger of all these three, he came in the stead of God to Job. And that's what God does. He sends us people, these, these people. But they're of God. They have his words. And then he was saying, I am overflowing, Job, to give you this truth. He said, I'm like a wine bottle that doesn't have a vent. In other words, it's not open. It's about to explode with the truth that I have. But he has to wait. That's what a pastor has to do. That's what a true man of God has to do. He, he really does. He has to wait because God pours in all of this truth. God does. He pours it in him. And at times you can be like a bottle. You burst and want to give this, but you have to wait. You have to wait on God while he waits to create a capacity in all of us. Because what good would it do if we didn't have the capacity to receive what was ours? See, and that's what he had to teach Job. That's what he has to teach us. This incredible wisdom of waiting. This incredible wisdom of waiting, not only for ourselves, but on every single person, every single circumstance and situation, we have to wait. Wait. And when we don't wait for him, who is our perfect righteousness? And our perfect, what? He's our perfect life. Then we function inside, outside of who we truly are. And the only place we can function is, is the deception of self-righteousness seeing things the way we think they should be. And that's how we can counsel ourselves. And God forbid anyone else should hear our counsel. In other words, I'm having a bad day. Let me explain it to you. Oh, really? Thanks for the counsel. How about if I tell you who you are in Christ? How about, how about that for all of us? And remember, is there any condemnation from God? Let's, let's be very honest. Is there, no matter what we go through, in all of our struggles, and who do we struggle? Do we have a struggle in who we are in Christ? No, we only struggle in who we are outside of him. And then we struggle trying to find the acceptance, again, that's already ours in Christ. But we try to find it through, trying to, through performance. In, in our flesh and trying to find our way back and that's what Job was trying to do that's what he was trying to do but God all along was trying to show him Job in certain areas you're not functioning in my righteousness that's yours you are functioning in self-righteousness that's where you're functioning so I had to send this young guy here he's my representative to speak to you he said I will speak that I may be refreshed. Why do I speak? I mean, at times, why, why does God have me preaching to you? 
guess what? Guess what? So I can be refreshed. And that means so I can be newly taught. Newly taught everything that he's bringing through me. I will speak that I may be refreshed. I will open my lips and answer. Oh, boy. You know what? As, as a pastor, you have a, and if you truly are a true pastor teacher, you have a command. And Mike, the command that he's given me is in 2 Timothy 4, verse 2. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. It's really what it says, rebuke and exhort. Okay? And really, it's a present imperative. I command you, whether you feel like it or not, you, you preach. Well, I really don't feel like it, God. You know how many times I said, you know, the, the son says to the mummy, Mommy, I don't feel like going to church today. Well, honey, you have to go. You're the pastor. <laughs> but I don't feel like it. I know, but, but honey, remember, we walk by faith, and not by sight. So many times I don't feel any different than anybody else, and my trials and circumstances and situations are not unlike anyone else's. But I have to be a good boy, and do what God says, and trust him, and come, and preach the word. Whether I feel like it or not, whether it's received or not, at all, that's what it's saying. You preach the word. You preach it. In other words, you let flow out of you what flowed into you freely, and you let it come out. That's what Elihu was doing. And he said that my words in Job 33, verse 3, well, he said, let, let me not, now look what he said, and then we'll close pretty soon. In Job 32, verse 20, that's where he says, I will speak that I may be refreshed. I will open my lips and answer. Look at what he said in verse 21 and 22. Boy, I wish we could get that out to so many leaders. So many leaders. Look what he said. Elihu, in the wisdom that God was in and through him. Let me not, I pray you, I beg of you, accept any man's person. Neither let me give flattering titles unto man. I'm serious. That's why, that's why my title is not pastor. That's a gift. It isn't. It's a gift. It's not a title. For I know, he says in verse 22, not to give flattering titles. In so doing, my maker would soon take me away. <laughs> you can get, in other words, you can get taken away with that stuff. Away from the truth of Christ. You get into these flattering titles and these flattering <clears throat> things. Truthfully, again, the people are not for the pastor. They are not taught. The pastor should never teach the people to serve him to make a big deal out of him. The pastor is for the people, and he's never been given a flattering title, ever. Job was flattering himself way too much. His struggles came, and his problems came, because he was thinking much more highly of himself. Look what I did. God, look what I've done, and all these bad things are happening to me. Look how I have served you, and all these bad things are happening to me, God. Really, Job? 
let me show you something about yourself. You're a little, you're a little bit self-righteous. You're making, you're thinking way too highly of yourself than God. Thinking way too highly. So he finally said this, Wherefore, Job, I pray you, hear my speeches and hearken to all my words. Behold, now I have opened my mouth. My tongue has spoken in my mouth. My words will be of the uprightness of my heart because God's is righteousness. And my lips will utter knowledge clearly. That's what a pastor is to do. He's to, to really utter knowledge clearly. That's why it says in Jeremiah 23, I think, what is it? Verse 15. No, Jeremiah 3, verse 15. Jeremiah 3, verse 15. God said, in, in, in opposition to those that were accruing to themselves these flattering titles over the people, he said, well, I'm going to step in and I'm going to give you pastors according to my heart, which will feed you with knowledge and understanding. They're going to be according to my heart, meaning his mind. All those words and everything that he has is going to come through him as a vessel. They're going to be his, but just as much as they're his, they're ours. Those are the things. Those are the words. That's the truth that's going to adjust us, our thinking, in our trials, in our circumstances. That's what's going to teach us while we wait. And even what we learn that comes from God's heart is what's going to teach us and give us the confidence to wait on him. Because he, he does know what he's doing. Regardless of what we feel or think sometimes. And I would never include myself in that too much. <laughs> yes, I would. <clears throat> the Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty has given me life. Behold, I am according to your wish in God's stead. Isn't that interesting? I also am formed out of the clay. Really, you know what? Job was seeking all these answers. Listen, there are, and we'll stop with that, but there are a lot of people today, a lot of Christians, a lot of men and women of God that I know and I love deeply. And they are searching. They're searching for truth. They're searching for things. And many times they were searching for them. And But then God sends in his way these little packages. <laughs> And, it, and the little packages that God has may not be just wrapped right according to what we desire, but there's treasures. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, we have this, these treasures and these fragile clay jars. And what happens many times is that people are, are, are looking at vessels. They're looking at something that can be naturally good or appealing to them. And so they can bypass so much of what God has for them as treasures. And so God sends this little Elihu, probably a package that Job never would have thought of, but he was searching out for all this truth. And God sent little Elihu to him to be the prayer that Job was so praying and so struggling for he sent it in this little package 
this little guy I'm walking in. I'm kind of kind of like almost afraid to open my mouth and you know, because you know, God has given me all this truth and He's given it to me, but you know, and I feel like a bottle that's gonna burst. I'm keeping it all in, but I've God has taught me, even in my littleness, I've got to wait. I have to wait. But but he's given me all this truth, but I have to wait. So the guy, the little package that he's designed and given it to has to wait because God, he knows that that God has to do a work and those that are going to receive what come from God, well, he has to wait, that they have to wait to have a capacity for him to receive it. And, you know, it just puts us all in a place. Well, guess what? It's all about God. And we all have to wait. And we may not like the package that he sends us, but God designs it. You know, there was no beauty in Isaiah 53, 2 and 3. There was no beauty in Jesus ever that people would be drawn to him as this handsome dude package. (laughs) I don't even like using that word dude. I don't like it. I like it in its proper sense. Dude was a guy that worked on a ranch. But then somehow it became a part of a culture uh, and I never did like that word anyways but here comes this little package and he doesn't fit what my thinking is but God had to wait and Job had to wait till he came to the end of himself and that's when God sent the little package but the little package had to wait too and sometimes some of the greatest blessings that we have God sends in, a, in this package and boy, it might take us a while to unwrap it because it doesn't look like it's very much. But once we do, oh boy, look at the treasure. And you know, every one of us has a treasure in us. We do. And he just wants us, through everything that we go through, to keep our eyes on the treasure. Not on the vessel, not on another vessel, not on what our thoughts are apart from that treasure. He wants us to keep our eyes on the treasure that's in us because the excellency in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 of the power is not of us but it's of him it's all of him he has tremendous things for us but part of it the greatest part is in waiting it's in waiting Moses, 80 years to be used for 40 4,000 years till Christ came 4,000 years. 30 years, Jesus Christ himself, God in a human body, waited. You think he learned in his perfect humanity, but was there learning and waiting those 30 years in obscurity? And then three and a half years, what did God accomplish through his son in three and a half years? It's going to take all of eternity to reveal it amazing so in other words really bottom line and we'll stop with this verse these verses again and again because they're a favorite of so many of us trust in the Lord with all your heart when you do you won't lean to your own understanding these are all your problems and my problems all our struggles that's where they all are and lean not to your own understanding in all your ways and don't hesitate this is God counseling me and if you get any counsel out of it great 
in all your ways acknowledge him and when you do he will direct your path and when he directs your path you won't be wise in your own eyes there's no wisdom in your own eyes apart from him none and when you do it will be health unto your navel because what does the little baby do what is it doing in the mother's womb it's being what is it feeding itself is its life in itself no that unbiblical cord is, is tied right to the source for it will be health unto your navel and it will be marrow unto your bones and make you very strong so Lord with all of this listen only you can bring the truth to us in all of these scriptures like you were trying to bring to Job. And there's so much in the book of Job, so much that you have for us, and maybe sometime we'll continue to glean in it, but it's all up to you. We don't know what to do or when to do with all of those scriptures that are even ours. I don't. And that's why we humble ourselves and we pray and say, God, direct us, please. Please direct us. Don't let us be wise in our own eyes. And let us see who Jesus is in us. And let us see who he is in one another. And let us trust you for everything in our lives. Let us trust you deeply and fervently. And let us always pray. And that means fervent trust and communication to him. Let us always pray in Luke 18, 1, and not faint just raise up men and women here who in 1 Timothy 2 8 will lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubting because prayer doesn't necessarily so much change things as it brings in the reality of what's already been accomplished and we just need to get in your presence and be still I think that's what prayer means. It means to get in your presence and just wait for you to communicate to us because we don't even know what to, what to bring before you. Matter of fact, we don't even know what our needs are in the, in the details of life outside of being in your presence first. And that's why we need to be still and know that you are God. And then we'll know, and when we know the truth, and it's all in Christ, and we know the truth and the truth will set us free and then we can walk in freedom and in liberty full of grace and truth to be able to be a counsel to all of those that we are so concerned for and we love you Lord because you first loved us in Jesus name Amen but God was using the trouble Watch that God was not the source of, but that Satan was, to use it to make his heart soft so that God could come in and show him the many things that were already performed on his behalf. That's Job 23, uh, 14 and 16. That's what he was doing. So uh, it's really an amazing thing when, you, when we start thinking about it. You know, with all all the preponderance of all the scriptures that God has, you know.
And it's all in Christ. It's all about who he is and what he's done. Who Christ is and what he's accomplished. And that's what grace is. That's what you were saying this morning that God put on your hearts about grace. And grace is never who I am. And it's never what I've done. Think about that. Grace. And there's no other gospel in Galatians 1, 6 to 9. None. There's no other gospel. God has no other way of spelling out who he is than through his son in John 1, 14, who is full of grace and truth. He's filled up with all of grace and truth, meaning it's in him. He's the source of it. It's not in ourselves, but he's in us for us to rely on. So, there isn't any. So grace is never who I am, or it's never what I've done. Boy, let's... So I am to never know who I am or what I did outside of who he is. Let's just start with that. Grace is never who I am or what I've done. It's always who he is and what he's done. You want to talk about some counsel? How about just in that little statement? If we could take that with us. So, was God the source of what Joseph's brothers did to him? No. Did he allow it for Joseph to reduce him down? And only God wanted to reduce him to do what? To promote him (laughs) in the circumstance, in the situation. So, he allowed it for Joseph. He allowed it for two nations. And he allowed it for all, even those that did the evil against him. Very interesting. So because then he said in Genesis 50, verse 20, you, you meant it for evil. God meant it for good. For whose good? Even those that did the evil to him. You think that happened to Joseph overnight? Or did he have to learn that in the dungeon? When all alone, when he felt like, what did I ever do to deserve any of this? See, his emphasis is on himself. His thoughts are on himself. What did I do to deserve this? And all along, the only place that he could operate in saying that is what? Self is right. God can't be right. He never would have allowed this See? Right? So he's in the dungeon. Right? But then what? All along, God is reducing Joseph down to fill him up with his love for him and to give him incredible wisdom so that finally when his brothers came that did the evil, can you imagine if he was in the natural, at the position that he had? What did he do? He wept. He wept because he had God's heart of love and God's heart of wisdom, even towards those that would do all that evil towards him. So Psalm 119, 130 says, the entrance of your words give light, right? Gives presence. In other words, I, I can't, how do I see anything in reality as a Christian? Well, the entrance of your words give what? If I come in this room and it's pitch dark, can I see anything about this room? Will I have any understanding about this room? If I haven't been there, right? 
No, but when the light goes on, then what? But what does God do? What does he have to do in us to have that word become an entrance in us? And he uses trouble to create an entrance <laughs> so that the word comes in. And now, oh my God, I see. And that's what he did with Job. You read the 42nd chapter. He said, oh my God, now I see you and oh, I abhor myself. And what he said was this. This is the place that God has to bring us to. He said, not that I abhor, I detest what I do. Because that's what we emphasize on. But who I am, I abhor myself. In other words, I, he's teaching us, don't rely on yourself. <laughs> don't rely on your thoughts. Don't rely on counseling that will put you on yourself. That doesn't come from God. Don't do it. Don't do it. Because he sent his word and he healed them. And he delivered them from their destructions in Psalm 107 verse 20. So he has to have the he has to have an entrance. And that's where John 3:30 comes in. He must increase, but I must decrease. And we always teach it this way. The moment you and I receive Christ, we got the increase. I mean, God could give us no more than everything of who his son is. That's an increase. And we don't rely on that increase until we, in areas and in degrees, decrease. <laughs> he must increase. Boy, I never see the way I'm getting that verse now. I've never, ever received it like this and, I, and, I, and you get it just like this John 3 he must increase in other words he's saying I must love you with all of who I am you think about that uh, how much we want to do how much does he want to love us that's the thoughts that came to me instantly he must increase he must I must increase in them I love them so much I must increase in them yeah, but God, you don't know what I'm like. I must increase. Yeah, but you don't know what I did. <laughs> Grace is never who I am or what I've done. It's always who he is and what he's done. And by the way, he justified me from all things. What does that mean in Acts 13, 39? He justified me from all things. I don't care what your thoughts are. I don't care what your feelings are. I don't care the bad things. They've been dealt with. All I need to do is I am allowing this so that you come to this place where you function in your increase. The, his love in Ephesians 3.19 that passes knowledge. It's so incredible. So he must increase. He must increase in his love for me and in my love for him and this incredible intimacy that he desires. But I must decrease so you take John 3.30, Psalm 119.130, <coughs> and you take those verses with that, and you take Job 23, verse 14, Job 23, verse 16. These are just as they're coming to God. I don't know where they are. I don't know what And Psalm 138.8, and those are some great verses, and they all go together. That God's for us. He's not against us. Oh, you must be against me. Look what I did. Look how I've been. Look how I've been acting. You must be against me. Shh. God is for you. 
God is for you. There's never be a time that he's against you. He's for you. Right? So the lies come in. See all these bad things? You know, because you did this, this is what's happening. That's why. And God's not going to be for you until you straighten this out. Excuse me. It's all been straightened out. Christ straightened it out. And even what the enemy means for evil against you, God foresaw it and he meant it for what? Good. Can we trust him? Oof. Can we trust him? Yeah. And to trust him, he has to bring circumstances and situations in our life to bring us to the end of ourself. Listen, it's the truth. He has to bring us to the end of self-help and self-hope. <laughs> because we got all the help and all the hope we need in Christ. It's not in us. That's, again, Jeremiah 10, 23. I know that the way of man is not in himself. It's not. But it's in Christ. 